0: Welcome to Messages and More, a podcast channel of Watertown Evangelical Free Church. This channel plays our weekly sermons and other content relevant to our church community.
1: Well, welcome to Watertown Evangelical Free Church. Um, If you are new to our church, we'd love to get to know you. We have connection cards in the front of your seats. Feel free to fill one of those out or use the QR code to download the information. Um... If you have kiddos that are in pre K through K Sunday school and are new, um, please be sure when you bring them upstairs to just say hi to our teachers and introduce yourself so we can get your information. Today, um, we have the privilege of welcoming Brian and Jill Dajusky here with us and their son Luke. Um, and I. Luke, youth pastor Luke, and I had the privilege a couple weeks ago to go and attend their VBS in action. And um, they are the executive directors of Mobile Hope. And so they provide um, really on-site services and resources for residents living in the mobile home communities and parks they serve um, to try to really break that cycle of poverty while introducing Jesus. And I must say, when I was there, and Luke, I think, can testify, um, the work they do, the hunger these kids have um, for God and for learning is just um, nothing short of amazing. So we're so honored to have you here. Um, So won't you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your care, your provision, and your guidance, your wisdom and strength. We thank you that you always see the bigger picture, even when we can't, and we can rest in knowing that you're always in control. We thank you for our missionaries, both in our communities and overseas, that are shining a light on you, Jesus. We thank you for Brian and Jill who have a heart to serve those right in our mobile home communities that are in need and help them feel the love of Jesus. Lord, bless Brian as he speaks today and may you stir in our hearts a constant desire to shine your love on those around us and everywhere we go, Lord. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Will you stand with me in worship?
2: Well, good morning. I want to thank you for uh, welcoming me uh, as warmly as you have to your church this morning. Um, It's nice to be in a place that, uh, you know, we can be standing up here and we can uh, make mistakes and uh, still go on and realize that that is a fragrant offering to the Lord, right? How many of us have felt as though the capo is still on our lives and we're offering that to the Lord and it just doesn't resonate. uh, And yet he still appreciates it and he still loves us. And so we're grateful for that. Um, To eliminate any confusion any of you may have, um, yes, I am a bald man. Uh, Yes, I do have a goatee. And no, I am not Bruce Drugsma. Uh, I have known Bruce, my wife and I have known Bruce and Merv for uh, over 20 years, and um, it has been a pleasure knowing them. We've seen God bring them together. We've seen uh, God help them to raise their beautiful family. Um, We've seen God be a part of the calling that they have had to bring them here to Watertown. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be a part of that, and it's a blessing to be here this morning. Um, For those of you that are online, I want to also welcome you. Um, And I want to say I hope you can see me. I showed up this morning. I realized the wall behind me is black. I am wearing a black shirt. I kind of feel like uh, Harry Potter, with his invisibility cloak, and I can just imagine you all at home seeing a talking head floating in front of you, and that would be quite disconcerting. Um, I also uh, remember that uh, someone told me that my parents may be tuning in from all the way in Connecticut this morning, so if that's the case, I want to give a shout out. And I also just realized that I mentioned Harry Potter from your pulpit in your church. And so if that's a problem uh, and that concerns you, I suggest you send a complaint to your Board of Elders. Um, Just remember, my name is Bruce Drugsma, and I am the lead pastor here at Watertown. Uh, When I was asked to preach through the Psalms, uh, or a Psalm, it opened my eyes to something. uh, And that is the fact that we rarely preach on a Psalm. Um, I think one of your speakers a few weeks ago mentioned that we don't often just take time to focus on one psalm complete to the end. What was the intent of that psalm? What was the purpose behind that author writing that psalm? What were they feeling at the time? What were they trying to communicate to us? And so I've had that pleasure to marinate on a psalm over over these last several weeks, and it's been a blessing. You've had that pleasure over the last eight to ten weeks. Um, marinating in a variety of psalms, and I hope that that has been a blessing to you uh, through this series called Israel's Playlist. Which I have to say I think was a genius title, because Israel's uh, playlist, when I think of playlist, and you've heard a lot about that over the last several weeks, what generally causes us to turn to a song or a playlist? We're funny people, so we tend to, instead of allowing that to speak to us, we tend to turn to our playlist when we might be in a certain mood. Um, Or maybe we're going through something and we want to experience a certain thing, right? Uh, Maybe we're going into a a high-stress environment. We want to pump ourselves up, so we'll grab our workout playlist and stick that in to give ourselves some adrenaline. Maybe we have been uh, going through a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And uh, we decide we'd like to wallow in that for a little bit. So let's grab a song out of a certain playlist so that we can sit there uh, for a while. Or maybe it's just something to remind us um, of something special. Have you ever found yourself uh, looking into your own playlist? I remember for me, uh, back a few years, uh, more than a few years, I was in my first year, uh, freshman year of college. And I was sitting around a room uh, with um, several of my friends just talking about the next several uh, weekend plans and those types of things. Um, And uh, the four of us were sitting around. Now, my dorm was pretty classic. It was like uh, many dorms that were built in the 60s, mostly um, made of brick, uh, had um, linoleum tile. Every dorm room looked the same. Right? So you had your built-in closet, you had your built-in uh, set of dresser drawers, the, the firm uh, mirror that was in there permanently. There was a place for the desk, a place for the bed, a big heater right in the middle of the two sides of the room that never really worked all that well. And uh, <clears throat> we were sitting around that room, and <clears throat> there was four of us there. We were in Carol's room. Um, and Carol was one, one end of the bed, and I was at the other. And across the room, I had two friends, Dan and Amy. And we did not know it, but all of us were sitting there uh, with misplaced affections. Um, we would spend time together. We would enjoy each other, all trying to get each other's attention. And, you know, you got to picture this, this girl's dorm room um, and as you could picture many, right? Let's start with the smell. Much better than the guy's dorm room, so that's probably why we were down there. Um, She had white uh, Christmas lights all around the top. There was a bunch of plush pillows and different creatures that were piled up in the corner of her bed. And um, being the suave ladies' man that I am, uh, I decided to reach over and grab the two— wrinkled pound puppies. Now these are puppets, okay? And I put my hand in one and I tossed the other to my buddy Dan, and on the radio came the song Eternal Flame by the Bengals. And I stuck my hand in this pound puppy, and I began to use the puppy to sing the song that I was listening to, of course trying to impress the ladies that were in the room. Um, I don't recommend that strategy, uh, but um, that's what we intended to do. And we didn't realize that all of us had unrequited love floundering. You see, I was attracted to Carol. Uh, Carol, of course, was attracted to Dan, who was attracted to Amy, who, you guessed it, was attracted to me. And so we had this quad relationship going. And so what do you think was on my playlist, whenever going forward, I had this feeling that um, the relationships that I was in weren't quite going well. I still can't hear the song Eternal Flame without picturing these puppies going back and forth with the music, right? I know what you're thinking. It is a miracle that I ever got married. But my wife is right here. We're about to celebrate 28 years in November, and so we're grateful uh, for that. Now this morning what I'm going to look at is uh, one song on Israel's playlist. Uh, It's a song that was sung, I imagine, as people felt a mix of emotions. What were the emotions that these individuals chose when they said, we're going to take Psalm 9 and 10, and we're going to use that as our worship? It could be a variety of things, but most likely, um, based on what I've studied over the last several weeks, um, it would be great to use if someone was looking around the world, viewing it, and feeling a sense of fear, frustration, maybe even confusion as to what and how God might be allowing the things that he does in our world. Have you ever felt that as you look around our world today, as you look around in our culture, as you watch the current cultural influence and see the very real evils and darkness that are taking hold A number of years ago, on a cooler-than-normal summer morning, I drove into one of our mobile home parks. And I uh, shut off the truck, shut off the radio, and I was walking up to the Hope Center. And as I was doing so, I was seeing these kids that were also coming up to the Hope Center. And I looked behind me and I saw two young girls around the ages of five or seven five and seven. And they were coming up um, like the other students were for summer school, which we offer every summer uh, for four weeks during, uh, during August. And um, I noticed they were coming up and they both had pajamas and slippers. And that's really because there was no one up at home to help them get ready. Um, they came up and their hair was tussled. Uh, their teeth weren't brushed, and we asked them how, uh, what their breakfast, if they had some breakfast. Their response was, yeah, they had uh, the Doritos and the Mountain Dew that was left over on the table from the night before. And so this isn't the first time we've dealt with these two girls. We'll call them Emma and Katie. Um, We've known them for a while, um, and we've witnessed how they've been moved by the Department of Child Services from one adult home to another, um, hardly any better than the last, due to a set of abuse and neglect by adults who are supposed to be caring for them. They'll go home to a dark home where mental health is very present, um, prescription and non-prescription drugs everywhere, and a father who cares more about souping up his cars than providing soup for his family. And they're behind academically, of course. In the work we do, situations like this, unfortunately, are more common than we would like. Living without resources in mobile home communities causes families to make very difficult decisions, and unfortunately, in many cases, children are left in the wake. So how does today's psalm address these kinds of dark things that we see in our world? We're going to look at that today. Now, be mindful that I'm bending the rules here a little bit. I know I was asked to speak on one psalm. I'm going to speak on two, Psalm 9 and 10, but let me explain why. Um, Initially in the Septuagint, which is the ancient Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, Psalm 9 and 10 were together. They were considered one. Um, They're arranged in a way that really leads itself to understand that they were supposed to be placed together. Um, They're organized in what's called the acrostic method, which means in this case every other verse starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So the first set of the first Psalm, Psalm 9, covers the first eleven letters in the Hebrew Bible of the twenty-two Hebrew alphabet and then Psalm 10 picks up with letter twelve and continues through and ends with the last four, which is really strong evidence that they were intended to be um, together. Also, Psalm 10 does not have a title, which is really rare for the first book of the Psalms. And so that also indicates that they were intended to be together. I'm going to treat them as one today, as many commentaries do. Um, So you'll hear me reference the Psalm, and that's what I'm referring to, Psalm 9 and 10, which is really both of them together. And it really makes sense if you look at the structure. Okay? Um, If we look at these psalms, we know that they are both psalms of lament, and together they are a psalm uh, of lament with related themes. Um, They would have been used as a song, so keep that in mind as we're going through. And that's another reason for the acrostic method, so that it would be more easily remembered and people could go through it. But it really is singing about the most challenging realities that we face in humanity such as the injustice of seeing the wicked prosper and at the same time seeing victims of that wickedness be taken advantage of. So here's the structure. You'll notice it has three tiers. Um, the beginning, you'll see at the top and the bottom, you'll see um, that it focuses on thanks and praise. And then it goes in a notch, and you've got a variety of strategies that we're going to focus on today. And then the third section in, which you'll see the end of Psalm 9, the beginning of Psalm 10, really talks about uh, a cry for justice and a lament over the prosperity of the wicked. Now, <clears throat> due to the short time we have together, I'm going to unpack the psalm from the middle outward. I'm not going to go from the beginning and walk through it. And the reason I'm doing that is because the amount of uh, the psalms that are devoted to this subject is significant. It's the most, and in throughout the psalms, is devoted to that middle section. It's the core of this psalm. <clears throat> So it clarifies the darkness that may be in the mind uh, and heart of someone that chooses to use this. Now, we live in a fallen world. I don't think it takes a lot uh, to convince you of that. But I do want to spend some time to focus on that this morning. Because the psalmist focuses on that. And so we need to look at that. And it won't feel good. So be prepared for that. We're surrounded by pain, by injustice, and by people of goodwill who are taken advantage of. We all, at the same time, we see those who are greedy. We see those who are selfish. We see those who are dishonest, seemingly prospering in the midst of that. And that doesn't sit right with our hearts or our souls. We've just uh, My wife and I just saw the, the movie Sound of Freedom a few weeks ago. How many of you in here have seen that film, Sound of Freedom? Okay, so a fair number. I would encourage you to go see it. It is not a pleasant movie to watch. Um, The content of it is very difficult to really think about. And it's not only because of the subject matter, which really focuses— it is because of the subject matter, but beyond it. The subject is that we, we are seeing our children taken into slavery and abused by the adults that are supposed to be caring for them. And if we allow ourselves to focus on that enough, We can become overwhelmed by that truth. And then if you add to that the fact that the women who are also being sold into slavery, which is more than the number of children that we focus on this, which was millions, and then add on top of that the corporate greed through slavery in the corporate world that is prevalent throughout the the world, we can reach a point where we're asking this question, which is, how, God, can you allow all of this to happen? If you resonate with that reality, with that question, then this is a psalm for you. The way the psalmist writes about the darkness is this. We're going to turn to verse 10 and start with verse 1. I mean, in, uh, 10, 1, Psalm 10.1. And he says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes that he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He's haughty and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all of his enemies. He says to himself, Nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and I will never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble, uh, trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless. He drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and he will never see. When's the last time you heard a worship song like that? But isn't that where our hearts are sometimes? There's a lot of darkness in this world, a lot of violence, abuse, and injustice. Right now there are 32 ongoing wars, everything from the war in Ukraine to terrorist insurgencies to ethnic conflict. Persecution of Christians is an all-time high, with 76 countries being listed as high or extremely high levels of persecution. Over 5,600 Christians died last year alone because of their faith. Political scandals, cover-ups, battles over power and greed. The greatest division along political lines we've seen in this country. Inability to have civil dialogue over differences of belief. Battles over our children, drug cartels operating with apparent impunity, while innocent people are enslaved and die from drug addiction. And then there's the darkness that's hit even closer to home. Depression, anxiety, mental illness. These challenges are dramatically higher today than anyone can remember, and the availability of counselors and therapists to address them is at an all-time low or non-existent. We're seeing battles over our kids, like I said. What's best for them? Who has authority over them? Pornography has reached unfathomable levels. One site alone is listed as saying 115 million visits a day. What darkness is weighing on you this morning? What are you bringing here? Sometimes the darkness we feel comes from things that we see or we hear in the news. Sometimes that darkness comes from what we've experienced and how we've been a victim. And then there are those things that we ourselves have been a part of doing. Which leaves us with an internal darkness, a shame, a guilt, and a depression that's filled with lies. The enemy is very real and very active in our world today. This psalm was written over 2,500 years ago. And it was a real then. My encouragement to you is with that heaviness, bring it to God. Because he's the only one that can handle it. Now if I stopped the sermon there, wouldn't we feel good? But I'm not going to do that because the psalmist doesn't stop there. If we allow it, this darkness can seem overwhelming. It can seem as though there is no hope. We can become very cynical and... We can lose faith if that is our focus. If the darkness is our focus. What I love about this psalm is that it does not deny the reality of some of the things that we see around us. It addresses them. It doesn't pretend everything is okay. And we don't have to either. God isn't afraid of our emotions. In fact, he welcomes them. And yet... When we turn to the psalm, we see he's not going to stay there. So let's return to the structure. We'll look at how he addresses that. If we open, we look at the opening and the close of Psalm of the Psalm. So Psalm nine says this I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart, and I will tell of all of your wonders. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And then at the end of Psalm 10, this is how it ends. The Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land. O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. How does the psalmist open and close a message this way? and still acknowledge all the darkness in our world that's at the heart of that psalm. As I marinated over this psalm over the past several weeks, I continued to have an image that returned to my head. It's an image that I think so clearly conveys the hope that is present in this psalm, and yet it does not deny the darkness that is at its core. The image should be on the screen. Yeah, now it's on the screen. I remember one of our family vacations uh, a number of years back. We drove to the Black Hills of South Dakota, um, and we saw many of the things that you've likely visited. Um, We stayed in Custer State Park. Uh, We awoke to the baying and the the buffalo uh, going through our campground. We went to the wind caves. We went to Mount Rushmore. We even went to Devil's Tower. And while we were going out for that, um, we had some friends that lived in Sturgis, which is why this is probably all empty today because apparently Sturgis has a big thing going on as we speak. Well, we were right at that time. We were going and uh, as we were driving up Route 90, we um, got caught in a pretty nasty storm. And that storm um, was coming down in sheets. I mean, rain was coming down, hail was coming down, wind was, was flowing. And visibility for us was down to like the car in front of us. And we're driving along this long curve to the right. And as we came along that curve, right at the end, the the rain stopped. The sky opened and we looked to our right and we could see all of Sturgis from the freeway that was up above it. Now, the clouds were still very present all through Sturgis, but opened there in that hole was this beam of sunlight that shone, that shone down onto the city of Sturgis, onto the plains below. Like, God was standing up with a, with a light going, shining down on Broadway, but it was shining down onto the plains. I'm sure that most of you can picture a similar scene that you have experienced. Now, I tried to grab my camera and capture it, right? What did I get? I got some broken windshield wipers and some dirt, right? But, but in that moment, that image gave me hope. It gave me a sense of awe about who God is. In fact, every time I see one of those uh, examples of God beaming through the clouds, I am awed by him. I want you to keep that image in your head as we walk through the remainder of this psalm, okay? Um, It is something that you can easily remember um, the next time that you're feeling overwhelmed by the clouds and the darkness that may be in your life. And it will also help me to illustrate three strategies that I see in this psalm that are used to kind of offset the darkness that's present in the middle of it, right, at its core. These are the strategies that I hope that you can use if you start to feel overwhelmed by the darkness in your own life. Now first, we need to focus on where the light is shining. 1 John 1, verses 5 to 7 says this, This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We know from this and we know from like the song that was just played before we began this message, God describes himself as light. And if we focus on where that light the light of God is shining, we can have hope in our current situation. Now, if we're over here standing in the darkness and we can't see those beams of light, things can seem pretty dark. Things can seem pretty hopeless. But if instead we're able to use this strategy and focus on where God is, that can help. Here's how the psalmist does it. If you look at Psalm 9, verses 3 to 6, it says, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For you have maintained my just cause. You've sat on the throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations. You've destroyed the wicked. You've blotted out their names forever and ever. The enemy has come to an end in perpetual ruins, and you have uprooted those cities. The very memory of them has perished. David calls out the nations that are destroyed, but he doesn't take credit for those things for himself. He turns that over to God where it belongs. You see how it says it? It says, They perish before you. You have maintained. You have sat on the throne. You have rebuked. You have destroyed. You have blotted out. You have uprooted. The focus here is on what God is doing not on the darkness of what is being faced. Many times that's how we work. Um, We tend to focus on the immediate concerns, uh, and sometimes it's easier to do that, to complain, to criticize, uh, instead of intentionally changing our focus, and that can get us down. If instead we focus on the blessings that surround us, the examples of God working in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, On the victories that we are able to be a part of, we'll then see God's victories over the darkness in our own lives. Now, Tim Ballard, he's the guy that uh, the movie that I referenced earlier, The Sound of Freedom, is based on. He was in a documentary that I uh, saw, and ironically it is called, that documentary is called Light in the Darkness. This is a quote from that that he said. He said, Being in this kind of darkness, I mean you crave light. Like you do water or air. I mean, you need it so badly. In the midst of all the evil that he was seeing, his focus instead was on the kids that he was able to help. His focus was on how God was able to help him and those kids and where he saw God at work. For us at Mobile Hope, Um, We're constantly reminding one another of where our focus lies and what matters. We need to focus instead on the teenager that chooses to stay clean or the family that starts a successful business or the children that find and sing about Jesus Christ at VBS. It's those things that give us hope. And it gives us the ability to even move forward in the midst of the darkness that are surrounding us. So first, we need to focus on the light. And where it is shining. Second, we need to know and trust the light that is behind the darkness. Now let's return to the image, right? Let's look at it. You can see if you follow those beams of light, following them back to its source is an indication that there is something behind it, right? And if we follow that back to its source, what we see is not only that source of light is present, but it's vastly more powerful. It's present regardless of whether or not the clouds are there. And not only that, it has the power to burn through those clouds and the darkness that we seem to be oppressed by. And so the next strategy is to get to know and trust that light, the light that's behind the darkness. The more we understand God's heart, God's power, God's role in all of this in all that we experience and see, that gives us the ability to worship him in the midst of our pain. This is what they do in the psalm. What do we learn about God's heart as we look at the other parts of the psalm in this strategy? We'll turn back to Psalm 9. We'll start with verses 7 and 8. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the peoples with justice. Verse 16. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment in the work of his own hands. The wicked is snared. Verse 19, arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. What do we learn about the heart of God? We learn that God is the judge here, not us. We don't need to take on the darkness for ourselves or be the one to pass judgment over it. In fact, we can't. It's not our job. It's not our place to do so. And when it's left in God's hands, that can give us a sense of trust of that light behind it. Look at Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Verse 12, for he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. But the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. What do we see? We see that God has a heart for the oppressed. We see that God is our stronghold. That means we don't need to rely on ourselves. We see that God hears and he remembers the cry of the afflicted. They are not alone. They walk together with the Lord in the midst of it. And we see that the needy are not forgotten. They can have hope, and we can have hope, in our own afflictions. Okay, Psalm 10, verses 12 and 14. Arise, Lord, lift your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it on in hand. And the victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. What do you see? We see here that God responds to the calls of his people. God responds to those calls, so cry out to him in the midst of your pain. God has been the helper of the orphan, and he will continue to be. We need to, as Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one that trusts in him. This is the heart of God who's behind that darkness. So we need to focus on where the light is shining. We need to know and trust the light that's behind the darkness. And third, we need to allow God's light to shine through us. So if we know these things, we know the things that we just looked at about the heart of God— We also know that God's home is within our hearts. Ephesians 3 says it this way, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love is. So we know God's heart. We know he is in our hearts. And thirdly, we know that he is... uh, That we are ambassadors for him. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore we are ambassadors in Christ Jesus as though God is making his appeal through us. So if we know those things, what does that mean? We need to have the courage to step into that darkness. And bring the light of Christ into difficult situations that we see. You know, when I started this message and I was looking through these points, I initially started this point with, we need to go be the light. And that's not true, because we can't. We can't be the light. We can reflect the light that God has placed in our hearts, but we can't be that light. And so thank God for that. That takes that pressure off. Matthew 5, 16 says it this way, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's his light. And we can glorify him through that. Now I'm not saying this is easy by any means. Stepping into the darkness and the wounds of the world, let alone stepping into the heavy darkness within our own souls, can be very, very difficult. Um, For Jill and I, uh, Jill back in 1996 and me back in 2010, stepping into the work of Mobile Hope was one of the biggest challenges of our lives. It took more faith than we knew we had. There have been some extreme highs and very, very deep lows as we've been doing that. And we constantly and continually remind ourselves to keep our focus on that light, to pursue and marinate in the knowledge of who God is, and to press into the new challenges that God lays before us. This isn't something I'm making up. This is something we, leave, we live every day in the work that we do. So what about you? You're here this morning, and what are you feeling? Are you feeling heaviness about the world? If so, you need to trust that God sees the oppressed. He hears the calls of his people. God remains in charge and the only one worthy to judge those around us. Leave it with him and try to see where he's present and active. Maybe you're feeling abandoned. Maybe you're feeling alone, isolated, or beat up. There's hope. God's heart is with the abandoned. He is with the orphaned, the oppressed, and the lonely. He always has been, and he will be with you this morning. Maybe you're sitting in the cloud and the darkness of your own sin or shame. You're not alone. But remember, God judges Yes, with complete justice and fairness, but he also judges with compassion, with grace, with mercy, and with unending, undivided, unconditional love that is available to you this morning. Jesus says he does not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that is hope in the midst of this darkness. For me, in all honesty, I think it's important to be honest from the pulpit. These last two months have been some of the darkest that I've experienced in years. These strategies, this psalm, has ministered to me in powerful ways. These realities, just yesterday I was driving home and saw the sky again have beams of light shining through it, and my heart was lifted. Hopefully it can do that for you as well. I want to encourage you that stepping into this darkness, or into this light, I'm sorry, stepping into this light is intentional, and it needs to be intentional. It will not just happen. While Christ is with you, we need to open ourselves up to him to allow that light and his presence to minister to our souls. The darkness in this world is heavy, and we may need some help with uh, giving our souls the attention and the restoration that we need. And so I'm going to recommend two books to you if you're feeling this heaviness today as we seek to repair our souls. Those two books are Resilient from John Eldridge and the book Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. And to end my message, what I'm going to do today is we're going to read a prayer. I'm going to read a prayer, and we're going to offer that prayer from our hearts to God. And what I want you to do is I want you to take some deep breaths, Seriously, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes, if you're willing, and if it's comfortable for you, and join me in prayer. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God of all creation, God of light and power, We need your strength. We need the strength that prevails. We don't want to fall away. We don't want to lose heart. Show us where you are active, where your presence is felt. Reveal your heart to us, O God. We give you our allegiance, our undivided love. We choose single-heartedness toward you, Lord Jesus. Body, soul, and spirit, heart, mind, and will. We pray for a supernatural resilience, God, among the darkness that surrounds us. And even in the darkness that we may feel within us, fill us with your overcoming strength, your healing, your ever-present love. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Father of light, strengthen us. We pray for strength of mind, strength of heart, strength of faith in your presence, We pray for faith that allows us to trust that you remain in control, even in all that is coming against the children of God at this hour. Fill us with resilience. By faith we receive it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to turn to communion. um, And I'm going to ask our servers to come forward. Now, as they're doing that, um, I want to turn to this celebration and be mindful of the darkness that Jesus knew was coming as he celebrated this Last Supper. Yet even in view of that impending pain and reality, Jesus stopped and he gave us a gift. A powerful act that we practice as a reminder of the sacrifice that he would give on our behalf taking on the punishment of our sin and reconciling us to God. Now, this communion table is open to everyone. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you've done that, I would ask you to feel free to join us this morning. If you have not yet done so, or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not in a place where you feel ready for communion, that's okay. You can let the elements pass. There's no judgment here. But please hold the elements, and we will take them together once everyone has been served. From 1 Corinthians 11, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink together. Now if you'll join me in the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Well, uh, thank you, worship team, and thank you, Brian, for speaking with the Holy Spirit. That was um, great. Um, Really heavy, but just really great stuff that we need to focus on the light. And it's especially true we can be the light in our community. And since today is Communion Sunday, um, we have a Benevolence Fund, which we have as a church, which we help people in the community with needs and who just are in crisis or whatever it could be. And the Benevolence Fund that we are taking today goes towards that. And if you guys are willing to give and just give lovingly and just... uh, graciously. We would love that. Um, Then going off of that this week, a great way to be a light in our community is by the five-day club. I'm sure Bethany has a going, and it's going to be a great thing, uh, outreach to our community. We have that this week, and it's going to be an amazing time. I know some of my students are volunteering with it, and just be in prayer as the students or the children come and just be a part of this five-day club, and that they can know Jesus, and just be in a personal relationship with him. That's our prayer this week going forward. And if you have any questions, look at the screen or go to the welcome desk. We have information back there. Then also, next week, we won't be here at church. We'll be at uh, Baker Regional Park. And Baylor, thank you. Sorry, I said Baker. That's my bad. Baylor Regional Regional Park, if you have any questions, look at the screen again. It's going to be a good time. We have an outdoor service and the picnic planned afterwards, and maybe the students and I will play some volleyball. Who knows? And then also, uh, September 22nd to the 24th, it's sponsored by the Anchor Women's Group we have here at church. Um, It's a women's retreat, basically, September 22nd to the 24th. So if you're interested in that, scan the QR code or check out the welcome desk in the back. But those are a couple announcements of things that are going on in our church uh, that will help people find and follow Jesus. And I'll invite Brian back up here to do the benediction for us.
2: I'll offer you today's benediction. From Second Thessalonians 2, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and strengthen you for in every good deed and word. Amen. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to Messages and More, a ministry of Watertown Evangelical Free Church. To find out more, visit us online at wevfree.org.